Welcome to this video class. I'm Warren Berkeley with the Laurel Heights Church of Christ in McAllen, Texas. We began a study in this video class in 2 Timothy. We just completed 1 Timothy in a recent video class, and for the sake of continuity, it seems good to just continue into 2 Timothy. Remember, this is instruction that came from God through the Apostle Paul, to his younger companion, the evangelist Timothy, and for us today. I will stress as we go through 2 Timothy, Paul's circumstance. He was awaiting execution. Yet, even knowing his time was short, he remained concerned for Timothy and for Christians who would survive him. And we will see the intensity of that concern and love as we read and study what Paul wrote to Timothy in this epistle we call 2 Timothy. We're going to study in this video class the first seven verses, but for the sake of context, I want to read 2 Timothy 1, 1 through 14. 2 Timothy 1, 1 through 14. We always hope that you have your Bible open in front of you as we read. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience. As I remember you constantly in my prayers, night and day, as I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice, and now, I am sure, dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. But I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me, in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. 
by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. Here's where I want to begin. What do you think will weigh on your mind a few weeks or months before your death if you have opportunity to know about the approach of your death? Let's assume that we want to make certain we are right with God, that we have made whatever confessions may be necessary, we have sought whatever forgiveness is necessary through prayer, being right with God would be our primary thought if we knew we were soon to die. Then there might be a pressing concern about your family in terms of how they will survive, maybe gathering financial information, checking life insurance policies, whatever we've been doing that people count on around us. We would want to make certain those needs would be fulfilled. I've been around people expecting to die, and often they made a list, and they check that list. They have a safety deposit box or some account they need somebody to know about. All of that seems to be normal in the sense of being prepared if you know you're soon to die. What about Christians you've been associated with, maybe that you have helped? What about the local church? What about people you have trained or influenced in some good work? What about the Lord's cause after you die? See, Paul knows his time is short, but his concern for Timothy and the Lord's work has not diminished. In fact, it may now be even greater. In 2 Timothy, I believe we will sense an urgency that is even greater than what we saw in 1 Timothy. Time is short. Much work must be done. Timothy needs instruction and motivation. This is what's on Paul's heart as he came near to his execution. Whatever other things he may have had on his mind, this was primary. His devotion to God as it was expressed in his relationship with and his training of Timothy. Now, that in itself is rich and impressive for us to consider today. Back in verse 1, Paul styles himself an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. Certain men were selected by God. Not every Christian, not every male Christian. Certain men were selected and then they were equipped by the Holy Spirit with extraordinary powers and inspiration in their preaching and writing content to evangelize and edify the saints and get content from God into the minds and into the lives of people and eventually to get the New Testament into our hands. Well, Paul was added to that number by the will of God. And so his Damascus Road experience was both conversion and commissioning. Converted out of sin into fellowship with God like everybody when he responded to the gospel. Then, in addition, commissioned as an apostle of Christ. 
I want to go back to Acts 26, 16 to 18, where Christ said to Paul, I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you to serve and bear witness to the things in which you have seen me and to those in which I will appear to you, delivering you from the people and from the Gentiles to whom I send you to open their eyes. Paul, now approaching death, continues to live and work under this charge to open the eyes of people with content from heaven, a message from heaven. This phrase is next, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. That's where life is. The gospel is really a promise that life, real life, spiritual life, eternal life is found in Jesus Christ. Further, to Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. There quickly developed between Paul and Timothy a parent-child relationship. Paul cared for Timothy as a father cares for a son. Paul trained Timothy, gave Timothy a good example, warned Timothy of danger, expressing compassion, and prayed for Timothy. This was more than just a formal convention of writing a letter. Paul genuinely cared for this young man and wanted for him grace, mercy, and peace from God. Verse 3 is about Paul's gratitude. I thank God. In expressing his gratitude, he speaks of God. He says, whom I serve as did my ancestors with a clear conscience. This becomes an occasion for us to remember. God had people before Christ came who served him according to good conscience, keeping the law of Moses. Those, I believe, are the ancestors Paul commends in verse 3. He had lived under their influence, and when Christ appeared to him, conscience compelled him to become a Christian. Paul was thankful to God when he remembered Timothy. He remembered Timothy constantly in his prayers, day and night. This certainly shows the affection of Paul for this young man. And then look at verse 4. The reality and tenderness of this affection is clearly signaled by the words in verse 4. As I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. Now, this is one of those windows into the heart of Paul that allows us to see him as a real person with attachments to people. And I hear in these words a certain loneliness, a man from a, a Roman dungeon in prison for his faith, remembering his young friend, wanting to see him. We should thank God for examples like this of strong, close, affectionate 
friendship between God's people. These men enjoyed a unique mutual relationship based on spiritual ties in Christ. Paul remembered many good things about Timothy. But here's what stood out in his mind. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you as well. It is a fact. One of the earliest and most powerful influences in life is your family. Before Timothy ever heard of Paul, he enjoyed the strong influence of his mother and grandmother in their lives and in their laps and on their knees. Timothy experienced, Timothy saw faith in God and what it means. They shaped Timothy's character. They laid the groundwork. They were his first teachers. Here Paul is soon to be executed, remembering Timothy's mother and grandmother. It's another window into the heart of Paul. Paul's work had a background from his faithful Jewish ancestors. Timothy's work and life had a good background from his faithful mother and grandmother. Notice near the end of the verse, the faith of the grandmother and mother dwelt in Timothy as well. That's always the hope. Verse 6, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Remember I talked to you a moment ago about how Paul was an apostle of Christ and was equipped by the Holy Spirit to do things that others were not able to do. Here is part of that, the laying on of his hands to impart to Timothy what Timothy would need to communicate the gospel, the content from heaven. Here's what we know. One, this was something God gave. It says here the gift of God. Two, we know how it came to Timothy. It says through the laying on of Paul's hands, Paul the apostle. Three, we know Timothy as an individual with the capacity of choice needed to be reminded to use this gift, to apply this to his work, fan into flame. That's a reminder to Timothy to use that gift. So that's what we are certain of because it is written on the page from God through Paul to Timothy. And Timothy is reminded here to put this gift to good use. Now, beyond these certainties, we are left to draw conclusions based on information gathered from other passages. I mentioned earlier, God gave to the apostles the capacity to impart special powers to certain Christians. And you can read about that in Acts 8, 17, Acts 5, 12, Romans 1, 11. We also know from 1 Corinthians 2 and Ephesians 4, 12, certain gifts were distributed to certain Christians, which enabled them to teach and preach during the time before New Testament writings were complete and circulated. 
It is reasonable to conclude, therefore, that since Timothy had a preaching and teaching function, he would receive from God through Paul the gift of inspiration or revelation to ensure that what he spoke was God's message. So, given what the verse says and what other passages tell us, there's no stretch in concluding that God through Paul imparted this gift to Timothy to equip him as a preacher, to give him the message he was to pass on to others. It's one thing to have a gift. It is another to use it well with good personal discipline and fervor. Timothy had a gift from God, especially and personally given to him through the hands of Paul. Receiving that gift did not cancel Timothy's will or ability to make choices. So here, Timothy is encouraged to use what he had received, fan into flame, calls for good use with fervor and passion. And to this we add verse 7. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Verse 6 is about what God gave to Timothy through the hands of Paul. Verse 7 is about what God gives to all his people through his word and by his son, not a spirit of fear or intimidation, but of power and love and self-control. Timothy is to receive these general blessings God gives to all his people and use these in fanning the flame of his specific gift that he received through the hands of Paul. Likewise, by application for us, we can receive the general blessings and disciplines God gives to us in Christ, and we can use those to do what we're able to do. We are not apostles. We are not selected Christians in whom spiritual powers had been placed, but through the word of God, we are able to receive from him the disciplines necessary to use opportunities, to grow, to develop skills, to be servants who become engaged, not out of fear, but of power and love and self-control. That's our class in 2 Timothy 1 verses 1 through 7. Let me leave you with these takeaways. There's never a time to be ungrateful or bitter if you're a child of God. When Paul wrote 1 Timothy, he was mobile and free to some extent. He said back in the first epistle, I hope to come see you soon. Now his circumstances had changed. He is imprisoned in Rome. He's awaiting execution. Yet, not only is he not bitter, he is grateful for Timothy. He remembers fondly Timothy's mother and grandmother who taught Timothy what is right. There is never a time to be bitter and ungrateful if you are a child of God. Verse 4 says, Paul was filled with joy. Read Philippians. Number two. There is an awareness and rich interest every Christian should have in the next generation. Down 
to the conscious moment that you're about to die. You ought to be devoted to and interested in and praying for those who will survive you. We will see this example all through 2 Timothy. Paul was leaving the earth, but his care for what would happen after his departure did not wane. We need this same kind of devotion to God and his people today that will prompt us to do everything we're able to do to help, to teach, to encourage the next generation while we're still here. What will happen in the church after we leave needs to be our pressing concern today. Thank you for being with us.